Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have another legend of a guest returning back to our show. It is Liam Lee from Mushroom World Phuket. Now, today, we are going to be talking about how to grow your own oyster mushrooms from home. And you're going to learn all about Mushroom World and what's been going on. So, as you can see, we're going through the entire process on the different substrates of, of mushrooms, but specifically only on oyster mushrooms. We talk a little bit about reishi and lion's mane. Now, if you want to see a podcast that we did with Liam, uh, I think back in December, that was more about his life and understanding uh, what was going on in mushroom world, specifically the grow operations for lion's mane and reishi. Today is all about do-it-yourself, homegrown oyster mushrooms, and he's going to explain a little bit on his side what they can do when you're visiting his facility down in Chao Long. Uh, if you're tired of listening to me ramble, we got timestamps below so you can navigate the entire process of this Grow Operation podcast. Uh, if you want to know who we are, we are Fruiting Body Mushrooms, and that's why we're called Fruiting Body Podcast. Um, Fruiting Body is the fully developed life form of the mushroom. You're going to learn about that today as well. So we're doing lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, um, mushroom blends, complexes, turkey tail, chaga, and even some nootropics products that help you focus. Um, it's kind of a replacement, they say, for Adderall or ADHD medicine. Uh, I think we're going to get this started now, so don't forget to like, subscribe, go smash that like button, smash the bell, and without further ado, Liam Lee. Hey, thanks, Brent. And hey. I'm very glad to be here again. And, yes. and today we're going to talk something even more exciting than the time before. Yeah, so last time we had a couple technical issues. Um, just the camera quality wasn't up to my standards. So we're going to get you back on and, and this will be great. We can use the content for our own uh, social media and to be able to produce and, or, and push the educational level of, of uh, functional mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. Um, I don't want to keep the audience waiting and tell them we're going to be talking about how to grow mushrooms. So we're going to jump right into it. Yeah. Again, if you want to hear Liam's backstory, we did an episode before. I'll leave a link in the description and I'll probably put something here you can click. Um, or you can just check the channel and there's another podcast about Liam Lee. That's his life story and how he got into this business. So we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to allow Liam to take over and I'll ask the questions as the audience and Hans free, free to ask questions as well. How to grow functional mushrooms in your own home. So just let us know everything going on the table and take us through the process step by step. Definitely. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, today, we're going to do something very interesting. I'm going to share with everyone on how to grow mushroom. And I'm going to share with you what the heck is all about. Yeah. All right. And, and, and that's, that's the simplest way of growing mushroom. Shall we begin? Yeah. So right. we'll get started. So um, it's probably going to be difficult with the audio. So for any of the audio uh, listeners out there, this is becoming more visual. What I'll try to do is explain what Liam's doing. If not, if you're listening on Spotify or any type of podcast platform, just hop on over to YouTube. Um, this is the beginning of the podcast, so it would be very easy to navigate and watch this directly. Um, so go ahead. I think it might be hard to use the microphone as you explained, but let's try our best. Right. I'd, I'll try my best to be as audio as possible. Yeah. And uh, what I'm going to share with everyone uh, here is the right way of growing mushroom. 
And um, I'm not sure did I uh, mention this in my first podcast. There's a difference between mushroom grower versus mushroom. And let's talk about Nanny. Nanny is someone who just bought a bag from a mushroom farm and bring it home. All right. And just wait for the mushroom to grow. This is the work of a nanny. But definitely many of us out there want to be a grower. And how do you grow them? You got to grow them from sustainability through the beginning stage of tissue culturing. You can see that this is a tissue that has been cultured. But before we can culture the tissue, we need to prepare the medium. The media that is based on potato, dextro, and agar. So this is the medium that they the mushroom will need to flourish. And when they when you done well, this is where you see the mushroom mycelium are growing. All right. So that this is this is the substrate before any inoculation. Right. This is the beginning of life, the beginning cycle of culturing mushroom. First, if you want to be a grower, you need to how to be sustainable. You need to prepare the tissue so that they can grow into mycelium. And after that, you jump into stage two, which is step two. Well, let, let's talk about the first day of, sure. of getting to, sorry, you mentioned that the the, type, the name for this stage is the, right. the um, it's like you're preparing it for the inoculation to begin the, the 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 process into the mycelium yes how do we get to this stage what do we have to do to get it to that stage of the bottle all right quickly yeah yeah I, I will explain quickly you just buy about 250 gram of potato get a pack of agar which you can get it easily from from super cheap just any egg is fine um there, there's a pacific brand um that carries 25 gram I, i'm not sure what's the name But if you can get other alternative agar, that should be fine as well. Agar, sorry, what are you? What is okay, that? Agar is a is a is a solution where where once you cook it, it harden. Okay. And this is what you see here. This is agar. Ah, okay. This okay. form the foundation for the mus- mushroom cell to grow. Potato give them the nutrient, which is a starch. And now we move on to the sugary substance. We call this a dex- dextro. Dextro is a sugary substance where they give them the carbohydrate. With this three combination, the mushroom cell will grow, and you need the mushroom cell to go to your next step of inoculation of the green. Uh, just a quick shout out to Five Star Marine and Sean Stenning. Five Star Marine—they're a sponsor on this podcast, so they're just helping us with the production and allowing us to make this content on a week-to-week ba- basis to give it back to you guys, telling you these stories about people living not just in Phuket but in Thailand. Uh, if you want to go check them out, it's on Instagram at Five Star Marine Phuket. And uh, we'll also leave links in the description. A little bit about who they are. They are a VIP private char- uh, speedboat chartered tour on the island of Phuket. So they're taking you to places like Kolipe, Krabi, Pangna Bay. Uh, you have complete control over your own trip, which most of other services are not authoring that up. Oh, sorry, offering that. So Hans will probably throw up a QR code. You can scan that as well. Or links are in the in the descriptions. Go check them out. Let them know if we sent you there. It just helps us grow this podcast. So let's get back to the podcast. Okay, so right. now once we've set up kind of the the host yes. of the mushroom to right. be able to be born. Right. 
how long is that going to take? Does that need to stay incubated for a period of time? Do you have to be very careful from it, um, bacteria infiltrating? How do we how do we manage that process? Right. I'm going to share with you the first hack. Um, every stages of growing mushroom, you need to be very clean. You're right, you know, as you mentioned. But for this stage, which is the step one, the preparation of the potato, dextro agar, PDA, you, what we do here professionally as a commercial grower, we will have to put them into a sterilization machine to kill all the pathogen or the microorganism. But as a home grower, I teach you a shortcut, a hack. What you need to do, you do as what is being prepared. You don't have to sterilize them. You use, put it under a UV light. You know, a UV light where you put it for an hour the UV light itself will be able to keep your PDA clean and you can move on to stage two. Can anyone purchase a UV light, let's say on Lazada? Yeah. And it's very yeah. cheap and easy? Yes, yes. Those UV light that uh, that I think our home are using, you can just have it. No? And much more safer. So for example, I will pickle cucumbers, pickle pickles, let's say, and I have to boil, I'll kind of Chinese style where yes. I take the teapot, I boil the water, yeah. But then I have to be careful and I boil it, put it over the glass. But yes. sometimes it cracks if it's too cold or sometimes, you, you know, you can burn yourself. This process of the, using the UV light, it's just much quicker, faster, safer. Uh, yes, but you can rest assured this bottle doesn't break easily. Okay. And you can easily get from Thailand. Where right? would you get that type of bottle and what's the name of it? How would I find that on the Zara? You know, when, when they drink alcohol, they will have a bottle of soda. Okay. Uh, this is a soda bottle. Ah, just ah, a simple soda simple bottle. Soda. Okay. No? Okay. So, so I'm acting as the audience for anyone out there. If, if in case people in case people are already well aware of these steps, um, and we'll, as we go through each step, I'll probably ask questions like a five year old, yes. just so anyone that that might have those questions, we can kind of get past that and let us know in the comments any questions. Just leave it there because Liam can always come back. I mean, he's in Phuket going back and forth between Singapore, um, but at least you can come back and we can answer that on another episode. So take us to the next step of the process. Right. And after we have prepared this, do you want me to run through the brief step-by-step uh, -step of preparation of the agar? Yeah, take all, all your right. time. So the the ingredients that you need is 250 gram of potato, a pack of 25 gram of agar powder, agar powder, and 25 gram of uh, the sugary substance, which is a dextro. So this is the amount of uh, ratio that you need to prepare this medium. And you need to cook them. You need to cook them for about 45 minutes. And once they are cooked, they will start to thicken. And that's where you start to pour them into the soda bottle. Right? And once it's that, once it's done, you just uh, 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 cover it with paper and, paste, uh, and leave it cool down before you put it under the UV light. So once it's hardened and, and cooled down, you can move on to your next step of sterilization using UV light. So this will be the whole process for step one. Okay, the paper on top, is that like an A4 computer paper or are we using yes. a, and can we use like a breathable paper towel or should it be non-breathable? Um, you use a breathable one, but before that we have a, have a piece of fabric. We use a piece of fabric to slot into the hole and we cover it up with the paper. So that would be fine. Okay. Uh, no specific type of paper. Okay. Right. And then as we move to step two. Right. After this is done, we will start to do a tissue culturing. 
And this is what we will use. This is the stem of the mushroom. Okay, let's right. take a look at that. So this is we, a stem of a mushroom. Well, I guess uh, Hans can zoom. Anyways, we everyone that's seen a stem of a mushroom, so I think right. we get it. Uh, and this is from the oyster mushroom, where yep. you see them very often in in our dishes. So what do we do under a very aesthetic environment, clean environment? We will do and tear up. All right. Okay. We will do a peeling of the skin. So anyone listening, he's peeling the skin off the stem of the mushroom. Right. And please bear in mind. Um, this is not how we normally do it. We are always use isopro 70% alcohol to wipe ourselves down the equipment. And we do use certain element of heat to heat up the tip of the scalper as to make it as clean as possible. And if you want, you can build a box like this. We call this the SAB box. Okay, we're going to zoom out. Um, so basically, this is like a storage box that you can do it yourself. Right. Uh, you're, you're cutting holes in the side and you're right. able to um, kind of like quarantine the product itself by putting your hands through that. So you're, it yeah. is sterilized. Right. Um, there is no bacteria. This is one of the biggest issues when growing mushrooms that we right. explained before. Um, if it becomes contaminated, the entire grow operation can fall apart quite yes. quickly. But I think that would you agree that the best way to ensure that doesn't happen is just make sure your the area you're working in is very sterilized and you're you can be using spray bottles of alcohol, rubber mm -hmm, gloves, mm -hmm. and make sure you're using the proper clothing and equipment, which might sound a bit crazy, but this is what you need to do to make sure your uh, grow operation does not become contaminated. Definitely, definitely. And this will help you to do a great job. Right, you'll have, you'll be all contained inside the, the 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 box here, and it may not be hundred percent clean, but at least it's better than in the open space. So after we have peeled off the skin of the oyster mushroom, we will use a very sharp scalpel and cut a piece of the oyster. So just uh, Hans is zoomed in. He's just cutting off a piece of the oyster of the stem. Right. If you're you're listening out there, okay. And it's, it's a very small scalpel that you right. would imagine a surgeon would use. And then you will use a tweezer to assist in picking up this piece of oyster mushroom. And we will drop. So he's used a tweezer. He's picked out a piece of the oyster mushroom that's obviously fresh, uncontaminated within the stem. Right. And now he's dropping it back into the phase one bottle. Right. Um, sorry, how would, what do we describe that bottle or what would, what do we call that phase? Is there like a, a term we can call this? Yes. This is a PDA. PDA. PDA, potato, dextro, yep. agar. This is uh, a PDA bottle. Potato, and, dextro, agar. Right. Okay. Uh, you can see there's the uh, fabric here. All right. So now he, you're removing the fabric. We removed the paper and you're dropping in the the host into right. this solution right okay which is hardened the solution has really solidified give them a very good foundation for the mushroom to grow and this is what we will do for tissue culturing okay and this is actually the beginning of their growing stage so you can see that a piece of oyster mushroom has been dropped onto the surface of the agar and we let it incubate for how long 
15 to 17 days. 15 to 17 yes. days. Right. So so once it's ready, you see that uh, a lot of white fiber, which is a mycelium, all over the medium. Then what do we do next? Okay, so if you're listening, he was just showing kind of a test tube of the next phase of what would happen. And if you're aware of, of the mushroom processes and the phases, what you're going to see is that and that host, because of the, the oyster mushroom, it begins to grow the, the, the network of mycelium within right. it itself. Right. So a network of mycelium was spread like crazy for the next 15 to 17 days. If there's any form of contamination, Brandon, you will see a lot of funny colors. The common one will be the green mold, right? And, and, and you will know this has already been contaminated, right? So what you can do is you either throw it away or you treat it as a form of art. It can be beautiful. How often does that occur? Um, or is it, as long as you're keeping things quite clean and sterile, it's not going to happen? It will happen. For example, maybe out of 10 bottles, you have 90% of them, okay? And then the other 10% will be spoiled. So it does occur. And there's also chances that you have it all right. But there's also bad days whereby you have zero of them, right? 100% contaminated. So expect that, manage the expectation. But importantly, you learn the skill of how to do it. Right? And wh where do you store that bottle? So after we've inoculated it and we need to go store it for the 15 to 17 days, yes. would I be storing it, let's say, in my kitchen in a dark cupboard in the back and keeping it trying to keep it cool because it's not so easy in Thailand. Uh, you're right, yeah. Uh, you put it in the dark space where they do not suffer any temperature shock. You know, temperature shock can actually trigger them to behave differently, even contaminated. So if you can maintain a constant temperature in that dark space, that would be great. Yeah, right? this temperature fluctuation in the daytime. Right. So if I'm downstairs working in my aircon, we're okay because we go to bed, mm. we're in the aircon. But if you are constantly aircon on, aircon off, that ten temperature fluctuation, is it going to lead, lead to humidity and moisture within the bottle, which then could lead to uh, molding? Okay. If you are talking about oyster mushroom, they are considered to be hardy brothers. I have observed, I leave the aircon on and I off the aircon, there will be moisture. But they seem to survive. Okay. Right? But... But I can't say that for lion's mane or any type of gourmet mushroom. But for oyster mushroom, they can be treated that way. I think, and that's probably why a lot of the people on the island, they prefer to be growing oyster. Yes. It's a bit uh, Easy. le easier, less headache. Right. Low cost yep. and uh, high demand. Well, so if you want to go into mushroom farming, consider oyster mushroom first. <laughs> right. Okay, so the next, we've inoculated it. Now you, you've... You've incubated it and we have the mycelium. Right. Um, let us know the next step, what you're going to do. The next step will be the inoculation of the grain. All right. Uh, this is a bottle of um, sorghum grain that has been fully inoculated by mycelium. You can see that it's all very white. All right. Colonizely. So, so, how, how do you call this grain? Sorghum. Sogum. Yes. Sogum. And what is that? It's uh, um, uh, what the Chinese do is they do they make into a wine, and Thailand have a lot of this, like a rice wine almost. Yes, yes, it's like like something like a rice wine, and and the name of this grain is sogum grain. Do you know, how do you spell that? S O R S O R G H U M. Okay, and again, anyone could probably purchase that on Lazada as oh, well. Oh, in 
I mean, in Thailand, everyone is very lucky. Anything that you need to grow mushroom is easily available here. Right, so Shopee, Lazada, um, from where I come from, this is like treasure. This is pricey. So what do I do? I don't use sorghum. I use the corn cob. You know, you know corn. Corn, yeah. Yeah. After you have eat eaten the corn, what do you do with the body? You recycle them to do this. Ah, so, and you're doing that mostly in Singapore, right? Okay. Uh, so okay. We, we know, and after that, we will drop a piece of this tissue into the bottle of grain. All right, and you and and you'll be surprised. Within the next fifteen to seventeen days, they will be in this form, fully white. All right, all ready to begin your third stage, which is step three. Right, and and how do you prepare them? Simply soak them overnight, and you mix the solution with about um twenty gram of sugary uh uh uh, uh dextrose, so that they can absorb the carbohydrate that they want. For the next twenty-four hours, mm. and once that is done, you bring them out, dehydrate them uh, properly, and before you drop them into this bottle, and you guess what's the weight of of this uh, bottle of grain? Twenty grams, thirty grams. It's hundred fifty gram. Okay, well, wow. this bottle of grain is hundred fifty gram, and do you know this spawn grain? You know how many bags you can actually generate mushroom bag? No idea. Thirty-six. Thirty-six bags. One bottle of this, you can pour in thirty-six bag of this size, weighing eight hundred gram. Can you imagine how productive this bottle of grain is? Right. So we're <coughs> now now we're gonna be using this grain and mixing it with a substrate. Right. Okay. Okay. Which I wish days um that which I'm gonna I brought some here to to demonstrate to you, but um this bottle of grain, if you are doing home base. You can easily do three bottles. It's good enough, hundred and fifty gram per bottle, and multiply by thirty six. You will have a couple of hundreds of mushroom bag ready to harvest, right? Even to sell. How I, if I make this grain here, and and this is what we call it the the spawn grain. Yes, spawn grain. How quickly do I need to use that into the substrate? Very good question, Brendan. For example, after you have done the tissue, you find that you don't have the time to go to step two. What do you do is you just leave them in a very constant temperature, and hope for the best. <laughs> hope for the best. Could you put it in the refrigerator? Is that going to help? Uh, don't do that unless you intend not to use them for forever. You only put them in the fridge is just to admire them. But if you're going to use it on the later time, maybe not uh the fifteen days, but maybe a month later, you put it out in the normal temperature, ambient temperature. All right. As for the grain, similarly, if you're going to keep them for a long time. Room temperature will be fine. Remember, do not shock them with changes of temperature. All right. So once we have done this, what do we do? How do you know that the spawn grain that you did is actually of good strength and vitality? Let me teach you how. You got to break them. All right. If they are broken. Yeah, so right now, if you're listening, he's kind of he's got the bottle. He's shaking around and right. breaking it up. This is uh, basically breaking up all the mycelium. Right. And we're going to understand if this is uh, like of high quality that could be used into that substrate for growing the mushroom. Right. And after we have broken it up, you observe the inside of it that they are dry. There's no hidden moisture, which we do not want that to happen. And if you can't. You do it two to three days before 
you inoculate the bag. Why? Because you want to observe. If I broke them down now, in the next three days, will they recolonize again? If they do recolonize the grain again, which you see just now, it means that they are very good to use. All right. So this is another form of um, observation or measurement. Whether is this grain good enough for the next stage? And if it doesn't, then most probably you got to find another one. Throw it out. Yeah, throw it away. Don't waste your time because you're going to waste a lot of time while doing all this. All right. But generally, if you do everything properly, you will not happen. Seldom you will happen. All right. Okay. So kind of to re- to recap, we went through phase one of the PD PDA. Yes. Um, and now we've in added the oyster mushroom to this substance, which created the mycelium. Right. That whole process is taking 15 days, 17 days. Yes. Um, once we get that, we're going to inoculate it into this, this grain here. Now, are there other grains besides this one and corn we could use? Or uh, is this what recommended to use in Thailand? This is recommended to use because based on my experience, they have very good um, functional value. But um, from where I come from, we don't have this grain, so I have no choice to use cob. But you can try millet. Yes, yes. The only type of grain that you don't use are the soya grain. No, the red bean, green bean grain. I I do not use them because they are they are troublesome with water. They retain a lot of water, and then you you don't see them from the outside, but it happens in the inside. So you spoil everything. So apart from that, stick with this. This is a better choice, and you can get it easily. Okay, and I'll, I'll go do some research for everyone and uh, try to find these grains uh, on Lazada, and I'll put links all in the description. Is there any content of like uh, a step-by-step guide that you've guys created yet that I could put in the description where people could go read on, or um, is, is that difficult still to find? Uh, we do have a step-by-step. Uh, okay. Um, we only give up when they become our student. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that's an upsell guys. You got to head over there and, uh, we'll deal with that then. Okay. So now that has taken, um, again, you're saying 15 days or three days. We wait for that. Um, after we've broken it. Yes. To make sure that, um, it, it comes back to life and it's, yes. it's becoming into form so that it's showing that it's healthy. And now we're going to move on to the next step of the inoculation from the grain into the substrate. Uh, before we go to the next stage, let me share with you a hack. How are you going to do this? Instead of using grain, you can actually look at something more interesting. You know those um, barbecue stick? Uh, buy a new one. That barbecue stick were have the similar effect as the grain because they are wood-based, right? Mycelium will actually cling onto the barbecue stick and you will be able to use stick by stick into your substrate. Instead of pouring grain, you use stick by stick into your substrate, right? Uh, so it's you're, you still do the grain process, but you're putting sticks inside the grain while it's growing so you can pull them out. Um, I will not use the grain anymore. Not, okay. I just use the stick. Ah, okay. Everything. Understood. And then I'll just drop the tissue into the stick okay. and then let them function as what they are showing it here now. And once it's ready, I just pull out a stick and drop into the substrate. And you will be able to manage the, the quantity easily. Mm. Right. So this is another easy way to uh, procure your uh, th- that barbecue stick. You know, you can get it anywhere. But for this, you need to most probably cost you a little bit more 
and you got to go online. All right. So this this will bring you to the next stage, where the mushroom bag here, we call this a substrate, are using a certain type of hardwood. Do you know what is the hardwood that we are using? So like sawdust. Yes, sawdust. Uh, from what type of tree? Any idea, Brenda? The rubber plantation trees. Yes, because yeah. we have a lot here. Yeah. Southeast Asia have a lot here, but uh, if you do have oak tree here, that would be even better. So we are using rubber tree. So this is uh, the the hardwood material, and this uh, substrate have other ingredients added into it to give them uh, to to create the food environment for your spawn grain to consume while you're waiting for them during incubation period. What other ingredients are mixed in that substrate? Sure. I always tell my learners in Thailand, you guys are very lucky. Because whatever you need, Thailand have. Whatever we need, Singapore doesn't have. Example, you know rice bran, you know the powdery rice bran, like uh, r- rice berry or uh, no, the rice where they grind into powder. Okay, we call it the bran. Right. So for me to acquire that, it's not it's that straightforward in Singapore. But here, the bran is very important, followed by other minerals. Pumai, donamai, gypsum, and if you want to add some uh, uh, um, magnesium sulfide, you can you can do so. Can it be purchased easily here? Easily, no problem. So these are the supplement that you need to add on to the substrate to get them going, so that the mycelium will have a good head start, and and not the rest of the vi- uh, fungi which we do not do not want to grow. But do you, but again. The brand that we're going to add into the substrate are solid matter, and the mushroom cell they can't consume solid matter. So, what do you think we should use to break it down into tiny little microbes, whereby the mushroom mycelium will be able to take in the nutrients? There's one very important uh, solution that we need to add. Do you want to make a guess, Brendan? I would say probably some sort of like liquid alcohol to like like something. <laughs> then drunk? Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't get not, they're not drunken mushrooms. Enzyme. Enz- ah. You need enzyme. Like like a probiotic? Uh you can say that. Uh but enzyme that you can do yourself very simply. You 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 know you, you get a there's molasses, you know, molasses molasses. Yep. So you can get some molasses, add a lot of water, let them ferment. And if you do it right, the smell will be great. That will be the solution you add into the substrate, all right. And and that will helps the, the the enzyme will break down the nutrients where where the mushroom will be able to consume. And when everything is done properly, you will end up a bag full of mycelium, ready to grow later. You can see there's two color here, the sawdust color. And the color of white, and this is actually mycelium. And the spawn is actually dropped in the opening here. While they are resting, they will consume the nutrients until when they are ready. We will open them up for harvest. You can see that opening this cover. Yeah, you have a fabric here. This is to 
make sure no dirty things come into the bag. At the same time, we want to make sure the bag have a good chance of survival. Right. So once they are ready, we will put it into the fruiting chamber for harvest. Can you explain the process of making that bag initially, the material and what goes on, um, what goes on to actually building it and putting it together correctly without contamination? Okay. I will share with you the, um, the way that we do it commercially. So there are equipment, there are equipment that we, we need to mix them. And once we have done with the mixing, we will have a packaging machine. That's why you see that all the mushroom bags are in this form. There's the packaging machine created this form for this region. Is it a micro, is, sorry, is it a, like a vacuum sealing machine? Uh, no, this is uh, just a simple um, uh, drop and pack machine. So this is a forehead uh, machine where you can one time do four of this or eight, eight uh, head machine, one time you do eight of this. And, and this is how the shape it looks like. And after we are done with it, what do we do? We let it set it overnight for 24 hours to give um, the enzyme to do its work. And how do we know that the enzyme is performing? When you hold them later on, you feel that their body is hot. So that is where the enzyme are working. So it's hot. It's, hot. it's warm. Warmer. Warm. Okay. It's not as cold as this, but it's warm. Mm. And after that, we will put it into a tank where we will stir out every single bag of it. And that is a lot of bags. And the tank can contain about 300 kilo of this bag. If I want to make that bag at my own home and I don't have all my machines and I don't have the proper equipment, uh, can I? how would I do that myself? Okay, um, there's a way where you can do it simply. You know, the, um, you get a pot. We definitely have some kind of pot. There's, there's a little bit of investment we got to put in eh? We get a uh, big pot and then we get a stand. We fill it up with water, right up to the level of the stand. We just place them there and blast it for two hours. And that will do the job. Is it, <coughs> it's blasting it with uh, like hot water or is it like, are you No, burner. A, ah, the burner itself. Yes, you use a burner, uh, put to maximum heat and, and let, it, let it steam. Use the water to, to, to do its work. And um, for two hours later on, you your chances of um, having a clean bag is there. And right. I could use, where would I get that bag? Can I use any type of bag from the grocery store? like Or sorry, from like super cheap? Or is there a special bag for this? Uh, I would suggest you don't buy the bag. Recycle the bottles. You know those mason jar? Uh, uh, those or, or drink like bottles? Like a two liter Coca-Cola bottle too. Right. Okay. I, I show you what I did eh? Again, Thailand have a lot of all this bottle. You can make use of this. It will not break while you are doing the sterilization. You will still be very good. And if you do have a lot of uh, uh, soft drink bottle, you can use that as well. Uh, because those are good recyclable material. It's not harmful to health. You know why? Because these are food grade. Okay, These materials are geared towards uh, food grade, so they are very safe. But for me, I will make use of this because we have a lot to grow... Um, to, to pleasure myself, not just, just to see them grow out of it. And, and this is how we can do it. Mm. We can do many, put in the pot, we heat it up with water for two hours and they are ready for you to put in the spawn. Okay? 
So for, for this one now, um, because with the bag, my understanding, the oyster mushroom is going to grow out of the side of the bag. How is it going to grow out of the glass bottle? It's the same. It can, but it can only come out of the top? Yes. It will grow up from the top. Just like, just like how this is going to grow up from the top. Uh, okay, so it's, it's only coming out from the top. I, I was under the assumption it actually was coming out of the side of the plastic. Um, can you add other holes? I, I wouldn't encourage you to add a hole because there's a reason why we use this plastic. It functions like a greenhouse. We want to manage the moisture level in the sawdust. If you create too many openings, you dehydrate the bag too much, the mushroom doesn't grow. So that's the reason why we have one opening to give the strongest one grow first, right? The strongest one prevail. So this will be their competition, all right? This opening here will be the only place the mushroom will grow. They will grow for the next two to three months. You take a sniff. Let's see. Now, has this one began to spawn yet or? Uh, Not yet. This is a new bag. It smells like uh, Chinese medicine. So you can see that um, we don't do what um, uh, the, the place you come from the, that they have, they do in block and then they cut at the side. Uh, why? Because they do have a very big surface area. They can do so. But for this setting, we will only grow from one opening. Okay? But they are built. You know, they are very big. Uh, one meter uh, uh, substrate bag using straw uh, that's where the tie will create a few openings from them to grow out from the side so that depending on how big is your substrate uh, how long did you say it was taking from the grain to inoculating the substrate to getting to this point here where the grain essentially um, has the mycelium it's hard it's it's ready to to grow what is the time between, again, the grain into the substrate to this point? How long does that About take? About 30 days. That takes 30 days. Now, yes. is this ready to grow? Not yet. As you can see, the, the bottom is still sawdust. Yes. Uh, it has not changed to white yet. So they are still consuming and running. And when this is in your storage, like you should not be touching it, breaking it up, leave it. Uh, no, we don't break them up. Okay. Uh, so in total, now this has not been 30 days. It's been 25, 20 yeah, days? Yeah, off. When it becomes time and, and you can tell that it, it's ready to turn into the fruiting body, mm-hmm. okay. how do we know? Do you need to remove the lid? Will it kind of explain that step of the process? Sure. Very. Assuming this bag is ready for fruiting, we will remove the lid we will clear the opening. There's a reason why we need to clear the opening. You'll take this tissue paper? Yes, everything. We will clear the opening until you see the surface of the sawdust. Nothing else. The fabric, the grain, the mycelium, we will clear. We will only see the surface of the sawdust. There's a reason why we do that. This is to send a signal to the mycelium that you are ready to fruit. The moment they breathe, they touch us oxygen. They know this is the place I will fruit. Uh, this is the reason why we need to clear everything. All right? If you were to close them up, they will still fruit, but you will create an obstacle, which the mushroom will not grow very well. Okay. 
Okay, and when you see that's that's ready now at your facility at Mushroom World, you've set up um, uh, different storage facilities. I've seen people walk in; they have these racks, and those are the ones they're ready to fruit. People can kind of see this process happening. Um, you you need you definitely need to have a space where you incubate them. You need to have an incubation room, and you need a fruiting chamber. So we do have that. So after we have spawned them, we put them in the incubation room, let let them do the work, and once they are ready in the next thirty days, we will shift them to the fruiting chamber, and we will start to harvest them. Is there a certain temperature? Again, if I do that in my house in Thailand, can I just have it in in my bedroom? Aircon on, aircon off. How how would that work? Uh, Brendan, that is also a very uh, safety question. Never grow your mushroom in your room, indoor, where 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 you are staying there, where you are sleeping, because you will breathe in spores from the back. You do not want sporation during the sporation period to breathe in the spore, because it can create health problem. Especially if you do have sensitive nose, sinus, or asthma, it can be even bad. So always leave them outside to grow, because oyster mushroom are hardy brothers. They can literally grow in this open environment. So the the fruiting body chamber, it could be outside on my balcony if I live in a condo, yes. and it's okay with the the temperature changing. Um, or try try to keep it in the shade as best as possible and maybe covered. You never, you definitely will not put them under the sun. Okay, we don't need sunlight. Uh, away from direct sunlight, uh, that will be the very most important point. And if at the second most important point, you need to have certain airflow where the air is flowing and not still because they do need oxygen airflow will bring away the carbon dioxide bring in the fresh oxygen at the same time they also need some form of humidity so if it's too strong an air and the humidity is too dry you have wind burn so the mushroom you will see yellowish color at the side or at the base so that is a sign of wind burn too much wind Two liter humidity. Yeah, uh, so it'd be quite difficult to grow here. I could probably do it on the balcony out there, yes. but I need to create a cover because th- this this place it doesn't have much airflow. So I could do it on the balcony, but I'd need to kind of create uh, a system up there as well. When when I'm now, when it gets to this stage here, and you're saying we're about twenty five days in, so maybe the fruiting body would begin around maybe five seven six, days. Seven days. Yep. How long, how long will this last? And every time uh, the oyster mushroom grows, explain the process of cultivation. How long, how how long I can get from this bag, and approximately how many grams of fresh oyster mushroom I'm going to get from it as well. From where I have learned from my teacher in Thailand, they say that the biological efficacy of each mushroom bag should produce about 450 gram. And this 450 gram will not apply to all the bags because you know some will do very well, some will not. But in general, the weightage as long as you can achieve 400 to 450 gram, we are making money. So assuming this is a perfect uh, substrate bag, they should give you about 450 gram for the next two to three months. And every time you harvest, they become lighter and they will shrunk and you know 
it's time to re- recycle them again. And how do you harvest them? Very simply, the moment you see the pinhead appearing, oyster mushroom have to be harvested in three days' time. Otherwise, they will expire, they will die. Uh, so that's the reason why oyster mushroom is very tedious. If we do not harvest them on time, it will not look fresh, we can't sell them. So on the third day, as quickly as possible, we'll, we'll harvest them. All right? And every harvest, you have to clean them up again so that they will be ready for the next one. Right? Mm. And um, you know what they do? Um, the, the, the traditional uh, Thai people who grow mushroom, after every harvest, they will give them a spray of Red Bull. Why? <laughs> Because it contains a lot of sugary substance and they need carbohydrates. You know, so you spray them with Red Bull because it's low cost. Um, but we don't do that. If we ever want to excite them to grow faster, we'll buy something more organic, you know, uh, for, for fungi. So you do that, you know. Mm. Um, for home grower, my advice is very sim- simple. Since your, your amount of mushroom bag is not a lot, right, you can do a little bit more productive work. For example, after every harvest, you clear them, you cap it back again and you put them back in the dark space and let them rejuvenate for the next seven to 10 days. And then you open up on the seven to 10 days and look, if the surface of the sawdust has become white, it means they are ready for your next harvest, for home grower. But with so many thousands of bags that we have, we don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why we spray them with high energy power. So you, you essentially could Um, harvest your oyster mushroom, close it back up, you know, consume your oyster and then mushroom and then bring it back to try to harvest at a time when you need it. Uh, for the next 10 days, 7 to 10 days. Seven, but you have to do it within the 7 to 10 days. Um, for them to harvest, for them to grow the second time, right? You can stretch them a little bit more, um, maybe another two to three days, but not too long. Otherwise, they will try to find a way to come up from there and it will not be good. Uh, the best thing of home grower is that once you harvest them the first time, you have free time for the next seven to 10 days because you don't need to water them. You don't need to do anything uh, with them anymore until the next time, right? Mm-hmm. Provided you only have a few bags. But if you do have 50 bags, I leave it to you, all right? And then if you think that it's too troublesome to keep them back, leave them where it is and make sure that you miss them based on the weather. If it's too hot, Give them four meals per day. If it's not, um, one or two times will be good. If you have a small family of like three or four and you're living at home and you're eating mushrooms two, three times a week, uh, how many bags should I be going through? How, how should I plan to process my own home mushrooms? Um, I also have about four to five members in my family. And for the last one year, we did not buy any mushroom from the supermarket. And how many bags do I grow? 50 bags. 50 bags is good enough for me to have mushroom almost every week until you need to give away. You know? uh, so 50 bags to, go, to begin with will be a good start. Do you, are you starting with the 50 or you're, throughout the year you're rotating? Make, maybe you're changing them every two weeks. Yes, Brendan, very good question. To begin with, you need to start with 50, right? And you know every bag, they grow differently. Some are faster, some are slower. So the moment you find that your production has dropped, you do another top on, maybe 10 bags no? to, to compensate for the losses. So, so the next uh, cycle of production will be so much easier 
lesser work because you are not doing fresh production anymore as compared to the first time. So you just add on, add on to maintain the level that you want for consumption. Uh, so so this is how I do it in Singapore. Mm. And in Thailand, it's so much easier. You know, so much easier. Not, not just because access to the material. Right. Raw material is very important to begin with growing mushroom. Without that, there's no mushroom to talk about. Uh. Are, are you saving money at the end of the year by growing at home or is it just more the experience and having some fun as well? I would say that you will not save money, but it's the experience and healthy food. You definitely want to grow your own food, right? Uh, any point of time, whether you want to grow plant or grow your fish or, or poultry or even fungi, you will not save money. In fact, you spend more. But the consolation of doing so is because of giving you a kind of therapeutic benefit by going through the whole process that will actually give you a peace of mind. And the best thing is that you know where your food source comes from, right? And, and the taste of freshness cannot be compensated by purchasing because if you grow, eat the fresh mushroom, it's definitely very fresh. I, I bet you, you, have, you have tasted that the first time that I brought over, right? So growing something for yourself is not to save how much per year, but it's more of an experience and enjoyment, right? At least you know the nutritional value that you grow has helped the family. If we're purchasing oyster mushrooms at Tesco or any grocery store, how many days do you think it takes from harvesting to your plate, like on, on traditional <coughs> grocery stores? I can't answer a specific uh, to that, but I do give you some pointers to observe. Oyster mushroom is is a mushroom that will release a lot of water after they harvest, especially when they are sealed up in the bag. So if you were to take this uh, uh, information, the next time you were to purchase an oyster mushroom, look out for it. If you find that the oyster mushroom in the bag is soggy, it proves what I say is right. And you find that the oyster mushroom look yellowish, it has already starts the shape of declining and you don't touch them. You only get hydrated and fresh whitish oyster mushroom, which I'm not sure you've managed to find them or not, but I believe there will be. But definitely, if you grow yours, it's always fresh. All right, it's always fresh. And the oyster mushroom that you are growing, we have different types of oyster mushroom. You got, I think, I think there is a blue for sure. There's a pink. Is there a yellow, yellow and a yeah. white? Yeah. Um, what are the differences in all these mushrooms in terms of maybe it could be functional medicinal benefit or as simple as taste and texture? In fact, all mushroom, they do have some um, medicinal functional benefits. Definitely. But for oyster mushroom itself, what we always see is the Bhutan oyster, the greyish one, right? We do not see yellow and pink because there's no market for it. And I tried growing them in Thailand and most of the time I need to throw it away. You know how, how sad it is? They, 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 they just buy the normal one. And um, in terms of uh, nutritional benefit, honestly, oyster carry the most. Mm. In terms of protein, in terms of other form of essential uh, 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 minerals, they carry the most. But because they are so underrated due to mass production, low price, people treat it as just a simple food, right? But if anyone who wants to get nutrition from them, oyster mushroom is actually very good. 
Yeah, I, I've been reading. There's a, a, a doctor, a, a professor from the University of Singapore, a guy named Barry Hallowell. Should I, I have his contact. I should introduce you to him. He's doing clinical trials on oyster mushrooms in Singapore for human consumption because oyster mushrooms hold a high concentration of a, a non-essential amino acid called ergothionine. Mm -hmm. And er, they're doing studies that ergothionine, they think, can reduce the... Uh, it's an anti-aging property. And they're trying, again, to do these human clinical trials to prove that if we're able to concentrate this ergothionine but extracted from oyster mushroom, uh, what can th this do to the, uh, um, the aging process? I'm not sure if you've heard of this study. Um, I, I have not heard of this study, but it's rather uh, unique to me because um, usually they will concentrate on some other exotic mushroom to do studies rather than oyster mushroom, which is a mass market low price mushroom per se. And, and I, okay, I, I share with you why. When when I start to grow mushroom, I only grow two types, the edible and inedible. Edible one is the one that we always eat, the oyster mushroom. And it's there's a market demand. And I start to grow the functional mushroom, medicinal one, which is Rishi, what we call the Lingzi. Simply because I don't have to reintroduce and educate the consumer, right? So it's straight out there. They know what it is. It's good stuff. It's just a matter how much you are selling. And off I go. And if I want to do a very specific uh, extraction, then I will have to have a different narrative about the Rishi. No longer a general health benefit. It will be targeted maybe on antioxidant. And what does this Rishi inside can assist in this ant antioxidant? Then maybe we'll do some lab tests and do some trial and all this, specifically to that cause. And for Lion's Mane, for Lion's Mane, we are focusing on the uh, uh, PBHE, polysaccharide, beta-glucan, penicillin-1, and anorensins. So again, the first two, P and B, they are more for our general uh, health uh, uh, benefits. But the other two, which is the H and the E, they are very much focused, as we both know, is on the brain, right? So uh, some may not need the first two. They are very much on the brain. Again, some may not need the, the three and four. They just want for, for health. So we are providing that uh, concentrated uh, extract. But if I want to do something more specific for lion's mane, then we really need to uh, do a very deep research and look for a problem statement and find a solution in the lion's mane itself. And from there, we that will be the track of marketing. Mm. All right. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting part about the lion's mane. The Latin right. name is Heresium arenesis, yes. which are the two enzymes that right. uh, promote nerve growth factor All right. w within the brain. Um, I see a lot of companies in the U.S. They will sell um, mycelium uh, as a supplement. Do you see the benefits of fruiting body versus mycelium? Because this is a huge conversation within the functional mushroom supplement industry. I think um, if you want to find out the difference, we need to bring in the scientists. 
you know, the, we, we can't just simply say this is better than the other. We need to really go into research. We need the, the, the people who know how to do it to find out the truth. But has a personal uh, consumption, uh, the person who's consumed it, I find that um, they are equally beneficial because I do consume pure mycelium. Mm. <coughs> you know, talking about this, Brendan, if you if you did your tissue culture successfully and you're not prepared to grow them, you can carve up a piece of this and consume it. Because they say mycelium is actually superfood. They say, eh? but I'm not sure how true. But if I'm going to consume lion's mane as a fruiting body, it's fine as well. Because they do carry those uh, 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 um, compounds that we need. And how do we know that? One thing for sure, when you eat lion's mane fresh, it's going to taste bitter. And that bitterness is a sign of some biomedical compound. And then followed by the rest. And this is very certain. So again, to define um, whether is it the mycelium, fruiting body, or, or, or whatever not, I mean, it had to be proven by science. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I, I think I agree with you on that part. If you're able to ingest the mycelium from this stage, meaning you've taken the oyster stem, you've opened it up and you're creating the mycelium there. Uh, of course, you can consume this. Yes. It's just because it is at the, the, the growth stage that's safe to consume. As um, well. like, I, like you're saying, you're, you're taking it from that stage and eating it. Um, my... Argument is more against the mycelium companies uh, in the U.S. What they're doing is they'll take the substrate okay. of, uh, and they'll use brown rice flour. Yes. So they've, they've created the spawn phase. They've put that into the brown rice flour as the substrate, just like that. Mm-hmm. And they're taking that and grinding it into capsules. I, I think... I heard of that. Oh, there is one company. I just don't want to name names because, well, we're in Thailand. I don't think they can sue me here. Good luck. But um, I, that part I don't get. I, I think what you, I never thought about it on the mycelium if you're able to consume it that way. I think that would be very beneficial because the substrate itself is so small. The mycelium, the growth, it's almost like taking a pill of mycelium. But I don't agree with the companies that are using the brown rice flour and they're grinding that up and giving you a capsule, I feel you're just taking brown rice flour. You see, that is the easiest way to, to do production. Right. Low cost, low cost to a certain extent and save a lot of time. And when you save time, you save a lot of things, right? And it's so straightforward. Just imagine, if you're gonna grow mushroom per se, the infrastructure you need to have is so much and you need so much people to do it, and everything increases the cost. But if you do it lab-based, I assume these are lab-based, right? You can do it a lot, and you can do it easily, and you don't need many hands to do it. I get it, I understand where you're coming from, because I do come across a company, um, not in Thai, but uh, uh, Country M, Country M, they are using such an approach not to grow uh, lion's mane, but to another type of mushroom, which is also medicinal, right? And they are using that approach precisely. My observation is because of cost and save a lot of time. And, and that is commercial reason. Yes. Uh, people need to understand if you were to 
handpick fruiting body mushrooms and grow it in the U.S., the price per kilogram for lion's mane would be over three to $400. The most difficult aspect of uh, harvesting functional mm-hmm. mushrooms like lion's mane, it's, it has to be done by hand. So if you got to think of the labor costs in the U.S. compared to most of it is coming from China. Um, what is the cost for electricity, uh, rent, real estate, um, the entire team, the operation? It can be quite expensive. So harvesting a fruiting body in China, which most people are doing, and turning it into consum- uh, consumable powders and extracts, it's much cheaper than in the U.S. to harvest that fruiting body, which is why I believe they're just taking the whole substrates and turning it into uh, a capsule or a supplement. They're able to take that brown rice flour, throw it through a machine, process it, and capsule it right away. There's zero, uh, you, you don't need to handpick it. It's actually done by machines at this point. Uh, the, the, that's the whole point of this podcast and the idea behind the fruiting body mushrooms is I, I just want to educate and show the people the, the differences between these processes and the quality of the product that you're taking. Uh, that is precisely why we're here today. We need to share to every sing- any, every individual that the best outcome is when you grow them yourself mm. because you decide at what stage you want to harvest them to consume. But if you leave it to the corporation, you have what they produce. So you want to control what you eat, you grow it yourself, and who knows, uh, by doing so, you have other value-added benefit as well. Um, but again, um, I believe companies who, who are using this method of approach, they will have some form of studies to justify why they are using uh, 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 brown rice and then grind it up to make it into capsule together with the mushroom. So they may have some studies on that to show uh, there's no compromise or benefit. All right. Yeah, I just I think they use the brown rice because obvi- now you're using you'll use sawdust for lion's mane as well. Yep. Well, that's the thing you can't consume t- sawdust. Yes. <laughs> so they're going to use the brown rice flour that and that that is what I would love to see and it doesn't exist yet. Um, I would love to see studies done by John Hopkins or Oxford University mm-hmm. and there's a couple schools and uh, universities in the UK that are planning to do this is to show do human clinical trials on the difference between the mycelium on grain versus the fruiting body. I do believe that the mycelium has a huge benefit. I don't think there is enough that you could extract, and I'm not sure how you would extract it from the brown rice flour, but the way you've explained it, where you're actually taking it from that that part of the process, I think there's a huge benefit there. I don't think that process could be on a large scale. You wouldn't, it would be nearly impossible. The cost would just be too expensive. But if you're doing it from your home, that might be an interesting way to consume it. Consuming your own mycelium grown on the mushroom itself. And um, the takeaway of that, that mycelium that I consume is, is um, it just blend, nothing much. But what I do next, what what I did the next time was that I add an almond seed so that I feel that I'm chewing something. So I do have an almond mycelium. It's just that I do not have a top-on chocolate <laughs> on, on it. No, there are people who are already done the mycelium chocolate. So, so nothing, nothing uh, new to it. It's just that this is another focus altogether. But for myself, I do it for fun. No, I do it for fun. 
Yeah, I right. think a lot of these companies, they will use a chocolate or a coffee. And the reason they're doing that is because we're familiar with those. Yes. We're familiar yes. with chocolate. Yes. We're familiar with coffee. Yes. And it's much easier for someone to ingest this way and easier to sell as well. Yes. Um, yes. Before we wrap this up, I just kind of had one uh, final question um, about the different uses, uh, uses of oyster mushroom beyond edible consumption, meaning if we are producing the oyster mushroom, do I have options to dry it out, to put into a tea? Um, could I, I'll allow you to jump on that. What are, so I'm not just eating oyster mushroom all day. What else can I do with it? Okay. Um, from my personal perspective, I will not do too much with oyster mushroom simply because they are a low value crop. So if I'm going to dehydrate them, I may be spending more uh, to sell, uh, to, to earn so little. But if I'm going to do snack per se, uh, maybe um, shiitake will be a good choice because some shiitake where they are too tiny to, to be sold, they use it as snack and that carry a premium. You know? So um, we, can, we can consider that if you, if you do have um, uh, avenue to not uh, in that approach. Other than that, oyster mushroom to me is just to grow as it is and market it as it is. Okay, and 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 that's it. Straightforward, right? I have you seen? I I've seen some companies now doing like mushroom jerky. Yeah, they call it. It's like kind of you're drying it out. And, um Is that is that using shiitake most of the time, or what are they using? Um, shiitake have a sense of being meaty. So they, they can, they can, uh, shiitake, possible, lion's mane is possible. Oyster mushroom, I think snack will be a better choice. So, so far, I realized shiitake, lion's mane, and um, maybe abalone oyster, I'm not sure. Right, maybe. Right. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's interesting for anyone out there that, you know, what can I do with the mushroom besides just eating it in a right, dish? Right. We have other options, and especially with, um, we didn't go, we went into that last time on reishi and how it can be used for medicinal purposes right, right. and tea, and we showed that. Um, so, well, this episode turned into an entire grow episode, which is great. I think that's the, the entire, you know, piece of that content, and uh, we'll, we'll explain that to the audience. We'll kind of put this all together and, and make it more educational um, on, on the quick, fast, real social stuff. Now, uh, before we wrap it up, I will kick it back to this camera, to uh, Liam. And if you can kind of just let everyone know that's on the island where they can find Mushroom World, Phuket, and if they want to reach out to you, all your social and contact information. Sure. Maybe just pull the mic in a bit, uh, the microphone here. Just push that in. There you go. Okay. Uh, and just look into this camera. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Liam here. Um, Mushroom World can be found in Chaolong, Soi Kum Yam. Mushroom World Phuket um, have a story. We are called Mushroom Story. We carry three brands. Our first brand is Fungi Farm Tour and Workshop, followed by our Mushroom Burger, which is harvest from the farm, the table table, uh, farm to table concept, live fresh lion's mane burger and lastly we do have a therapeutic thai massage center where we will use our rishi that we grow into an extracted oil where we do wellness from there 
So this is our mushroom story. And uh, to top it on, we also conduct um, international courses where we plan to integrate people who are interested to grow commercially to come by to Singapore one day to learn from us. And uh, at the same time, uh, that is how Singapore way of growing. We have an opportunity to be exposed to Phuket Farm, which is a Thai way of growing, where this certificate will be recognized. We will call this a professional certificate, which you can bring home to set up a farm or even find opportunity in Thailand or even Singapore as a mushroom grower. So hope to see you guys the next time. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brandon, for the time. Thanks, uh, Han, for your for your time. And see you. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so that, that basically wraps up our episode. But I mean that the world, mushroom world, you, you really do encompass that. It's not just going there for the mushroom burgers. It's the full experience. He's offering classes. There's the education side to it. And now that I just learned with the mushroom, the Reishi mushroom extraction involved in therapeutic Thai massage. So you can check him out in Chalong. We're going to leave links in the description. Um, also on uh, his Instagram and his website as well. Any questions, let us know in the comments. Um, we're not going anywhere. And I don't think Liam is either. So he'll definitely be back on the podcast later. And maybe we can show different growing uh, experiences, maybe with Reishi or Lion's Mane. Uh, let us know what you thought. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, smash the like. It helps us out in the algorithm. We are growing. I mean, if you're already into this for an hour and a half, I'm surprised anyone's still here. Uh, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>